welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Identity and Purpose series. So, good morning, everyone. You all right? You okay? Yeah, enjoying the sun? Yeah? Yeah, good, good. So, the parable of the lost son. Now, we're going to be doing uh, our series, we're continuing our series on identity and purpose, and we're going to do something a little bit different. (gasps) I know, change, be careful, yeah, it's okay, it's all right, we got it. So, we're going to uh, split this into three perspectives. So, I've got the father today, Claire's uh, got the uh, younger brother, and Emily Perkins, she's got the uh, elder brother. So we're going to try and work it. Uh, now, I might scupper the whole thing with this one, but uh, you know, you'll forgive me, won't you, if I steal any of your thunder. So the, the traditional view of this um, parable, now we've heard quite a few times maybe in our, in our Christian lives, if you've uh, been on the journey for as long as me, for about a couple of years. And uh, so the, the idea is that... Uh, So we we see the younger son as being the Christian converted, yeah? Come back, well, gone off on their own, and then come back, and that's the kind of, the the tradition is that, uh, you know, God is redeeming and saving, and the father in this parable is uh, God the father, and the elder brother is the villain of the story, uh, being like the Pharisees who do not like anyone who doesn't follow the rules, basically. Okay? Is that a kind of good rendition of what you've heard as, as the parable of the lost or the prodigal son? Okay, I'm going to spin that totally on its head. Okay? I'm going to do something, uh, think of it in a different way. Okay? Are you going to allow me to do that? Thank you. That's very kind. Well, hold on to your seats then. Okay, so just a reminder, parables are a genre, a genre, sorry, which is designed to challenge us. It's to accuse us. It's to shake up the status quo. Okay, and that's not the band. That is just the general kind of thing of what we are living in. Okay, it's the kind of yeah, we just kind of mosey on. That's the normal standard of living. But parables are set to shake that up. It's basically designed to tell us something that we already know, and we simply don't want to acknowledge it. Ooh. It says the plain truth, but sometimes we just turn a blind eye to that is to throw alongside our current knowledge the knowledge that God has for life for us. So that's a parable. So the opening words, if you, you, you need to kind of think about what would it be like when the first Jew, the first century Jew heard this parable? Rather than through our own 21st century eyes, what would it be for this first century uh, Jewish person? So, first of all, the opening line is, the man, um, there was a man who had two sons. Instantaneously, that first, uh, that first century Jew would go, aha, 
I know about this story. It's all in Genesis, isn't it? There's lots of men with having two sons. Got Cain and Abel. Yeah. You've got Ishmael and Isaac. You've got Jacob and Esau. Okay. And so the, the first century Jew were kind of thinking in their heads, I, I've got this story, I know where this is going. Okay? So, so really, the, the youngest one is the hero of the story. Apart from Abel, he kind of didn't really feature much in that chapter. He kind of died at the start. But because Cain killed his brother, because he was jealous. Okay? But if you look at it, the younger ones seem to come out on top. Yeah, Jacob swindled his brother out of his birthright and also his father out of, you know, out of the blessing by dressing up as his brother. You've got Ishmael, which is the first son of uh, Abraham. Yeah, didn't go down the right route there, but expelled him. But he ended up being okay. But also we have Joseph. Now, I know he's not the son, uh, 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 yeah, kind of, he's out of 12 sons, okay? But the thing is, if you look at the parable which we've just been, uh, he goes to a far country, so does Joseph. He gets sold into slavery, falls in with the Gentiles, gets a job with the Gentiles. This, uh, so does uh, our prodigal here, gets in with the pig owners, and you know, kind of is employed by these, and then a severe famine as well. And there was a dream of a severe famine. But unlike the story of Joseph, he, does, uh, he well, very much like, he falls on his feet. Okay? He goes back home and gets given the robe, gets given the, the ring, very much like what Pharaoh gave Joseph. Okay, so it's a little bit of a different twist on the so, and I'm not stealing anything from you. Sorry, sorry for that. Right, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context. So you know the narratives; they were dysfunctional families. Have you ever been in a dysfunctional family? Does it work perfectly all the time? No, no, it doesn't. But you'd be mistaken if you were a first Jew to think the outcome of the story, they've got it. They've got the outcome of the story. The favored younger brother, angry older brother, out for vengeance, out for jealousy for being swindled. Even the strains of that Joseph, that favorite of Jacob. Now, I suggest that the younger son was the favorite of the father. So I want to dispel a little bit that the father is a figure of God here. No, he had his favorite. And we kind of glean that because he let him go without really any shadow of doubt. He kind of goes, yeah, of course, yeah, you, wanna, you want your share? I will do that. And I'll split it 50-50. Now, according to Jewish law, the elder should have had two-thirds and the younger a third. But he split it 50-50. Oh, okay. So that shows that the father is kind of favorite. Uh, he's, he's kind of really funding what the, young, the younger uh, son wants to do. He's funding his a little debauchery 
his little kind of drinking spree and whatever else was, went on. We don't know exactly, but we can gather, okay? So just imagine this. Why did the son come to his senses? Was it because of repentance? No, he was famished. He was hungry. He goes, right, I know what I'm going to say to my father because daddy is going to look after me because I'm his favorite. Because notice his language wasn't anything that it, when he saw his father, her father, he didn't say, master, I'm, I'm only good enough to be your slave. He said, father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. And that echoes of what the Pharaoh said to when Moses and Aaron came forward. And he said, yeah, yeah, you call, off, call off God. Yeah, I, I've sinned against you and against heaven. He was saying the same words. He was kind of going, smoozing up to dad. Okay, I've, I've messed up here kind of thing, but I'm not really that gutted about it. I just want to come back, please, Father. Will you let me back in? Yes, oh my, yes. He was kissing him and loving him and his, his compassion of the Father. We see that in God, obviously, compassion. But he calls for the robe, he calls for the ring, he calls, but that wasn't him, his to give. He had already given that to the elder brother because he has just split his fortune down the middle. He was giving of what the elder brother had, slayed the fattened calf, okay? But at the beginning of this parable, it says the man who had two sons, one, where was the other? They had enough time to get the caterers in, they had enough time to get a band in to play the music, but they actually forgot about the son out in the fields who was doing the work what his father had sent him out to do. How would you feel if you came home and there was a party going on and you didn't know anything about it? Would you join in regardless or would you be a little bit miffed? I think we'd be a bit miffed, wouldn't we? Being left out. I would, if I didn't know anything about it, and I turn up and there's a major party going at home, it, whether it's Tasman or Anna having a party, I don't really know, but that's, <laughs> as my daughters, obviously. So, but the thing is, I, I would be a little bit miffed that I've been left out. But notice the elder brother had no revenge in his mind. He did not kill his sibling in rage or jealousy. No, he needed to be heard by his father. No rehearsed lines from the father, but the pleading to persuade him to rejoice nonetheless for his brother who was lost but is found, was dead but is now alive that everything he had was his all along. 
was the father the one who should have been repenting? Because he messed up. He realized he had messed up and neglected both sons. He had messed up. Haven't we messed up slightly? But the father had the hope that he was reuniting his family. So how does this, slight, uh, this slightly different interpretation of a well-known parable, how do we understand our identity and purpose? First, that we have been found. At some point, we were lost, but we have now been found, restored to the family. But there are others who are still lost, uninvited, not present at the feast. The opening lines introduce these three parables, the three parables, uh, the parables which uh, Emily kind of spoke of, which was the lost sheep and the lost coin. And the lost son is part of this three. Now, when it's in three like this, you have to kind of sit up. Now, the tax collectors, and this is the opening line. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around, around Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, the Pharisees were accused of writing off these others, these tax collectors and these sinners. But forget what state they have come from. They were jealous or maybe jealous of the blessing that they, uh, the, these others, these tax collectors and sinners were sitting around listening to Jesus. But the re realization is they were of the same household We are of the same household ourselves. We are human beings. And we have got brothers and sisters out there which are lost. Who need to be welcomed into the house of God. Jesus was celebrating and eating with those who were returning back to the family. He wants to reconcile, to reunite us as brothers and sisters of the human race. To be, on those, uh, to be on the journey with those. Not just seeing from afar and running to meet them, but he meets them where they're at. Our purpose is the same, to reconcile and celebrate and accept the lost. And reunite, re reunite them to the family of God. It's the start of the journey to wholeness. So this dysfunctional family of this parable shows us that we can get it wrong, but we are to make every earnest effort to seek the lost without invite, uh, but not forgetting to invite to the party the ones that are already found. Both are equally important. If we just focus on one, we miss the other. If we just focus on the in, we miss the out. 
And if we just focus on the out, we have danger of missing the in. So we're going to need, it's that balance again. That the Lord wants to eat and he wants us to eat with tax collectors and sinners. I know we're not having that many tax collectors around, but the idea is notorious sinners so that they can be welcomed home, but not without celebrating with the ones which are already found. And that's the message of those three parables. Yeah, the 99 weren't left just on their own, but they were protected. They were had, that's what Emily was saying, they were protected. The shepherd made a way for them to go and find the last one. And he was a very good shepherd, by the way, because he noticed one was missing out of a hundred. If I look around now, if I, I saw one of you were missing, I wouldn't actually notice straight away. Might be after a few weeks I go, oh, hi, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. Yeah? You have to be a really good shepherd. Yeah? Our Lord is our good shepherd. So let's do what the Lord has asked us to do. Search for the ones who are not part of the family yet, but don't neglect the family which are here. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.